Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a podcast from the Mary Baker Library in Boston and online at mbelibrary.org. In this episode, we will be discussing the library's historic Bible collection and what it offers the Bible scholar and collector, as well as anyone seeking a deeper understanding of how the Bible came to be and what it has meant in understanding key turning points in history. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. We provide research opportunities and educational experiences related to the life, achievements, and writings of Mary Baker Eddy and their ongoing impact. Our guests are Dr. Donald Brake, an authority on rare Bible collections, who is also a passionate collector himself, and Pam Winstead, curator of our collections at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Hello, Don and Pam. Hi, Hello, Jonathan. Jonathan. <laughs> it's great to have you. So, Don, this is really a welcome back to you. We had the good fortune to track you down a few years ago to do a thorough evaluation of the library's historic Bible collection. And we're looking forward to discussing with you what you discovered in analyzing our collection. And Pam, we're going to find out from you how working with Don inspired you to develop more ways for the public to engage with this collection. Don, I've been reading your book, A Visual History of the English Bible, The Tumultuous Tale of the World's Best-Selling Book. It's a terrific read on the passion and dedication of people who in many cases risked everything to bring the stories and wisdom of the Bible to the world. But also in the book are these accounts of your adventures as a collector of rare Bibles and the passion and commitment you bring to that enterprise. Can you tell us just a little bit about where this passion for rare Bibles comes from and what it meant when you encountered our collection at the Mary Baker Eddy Library? Yes, Jonathan. Uh, it's been a, a long trip for me, a, a journey of uh, excitement and fun, really. It began really back in the 70s when I was teaching uh, an introduction to the Bible at Multnomah Bible College. Uh, I got a lot of questions from students who wanted to know, how do we know that the current Bible we have is the same Bible as was originally uh, given? So in, in order to find that out, I thought, you know, I should try to collect everything that goes, uh, that starts with the first or second century and trace it all the way through modern day uh, to show that it is the same and not just by theory, but by actual artifacts. Mm. And so I began my quest first by contacting a dealer, Les Walker at Nelson's Books in uh, England. And he sent me a letter saying he had two things he could offer me, a 1569 Bishop's Bible and a 1595 Geneva Bible. So I talked with my colleague, uh, Dr. Goodrick, and he said, oh, you really must have them. So I sent for them, mm -hmm. and we waited and anticipated the coming of these Bibles. And finally, when they got here, uh, we quickly took them down to his basement where he was working on the NIV concordance, and we started investigating through all of his records to find out what these were. Well, sure enough, the 1569 Bishop's Bible was actually a 1569 Great Bible, and it was the very last one ever printed. And so historically, that was much more important than a bishop. So I thought I had really pulled one over on this book dealer <laughs> who was supposed to know everything. But, you know, I've, I've thought it since then. 
he probably did that on purpose because he got me hooked. Right. He sold me a lot of Bibles <laughs> over the years. So that's really how I got started. And since then, uh, as uh, that book uh, demonstrates, I've had a pursuit of these Bibles ever since. And I've gone to almost several continents and especially in Europe to try to find them, go to book dealers and things uh, where they are. And uh, it's just been a delightful journey. When I came to the Mary Baker Eddy Library, uh, frankly, I was surprised. I did not expect to find such a wonderful and historic collection. So when I saw it, I just did a double take because mm. I've seen almost every library in the States and most of them in, in England of uh, these rare Bibles. So I was really delighted to find it. That's terrific. Um, well, you said you did a, a double take. What, um, what were some of the Bibles that you saw that uh, had you doing little somersaults in our stacks? Well, the main one was a 1535 Coverdale Bible. Those are not only some of the most important English Bibles ever printed. In fact, it was the first complete English Bible ever printed, but it is extremely rare. And I have watched a number of collections and a number of um, census that tried to find where they all are. And of all of the ones that they have found throughout the world, uh, the one at the Mary Baker Eddy was not listed. Mm. And so that was such a surprise to me. And uh, what a delight to find that in, in that library. So I'm just curious, when you see one of these books, um, the, the three-dimensional objects, um, what does it mean to you in, uh, beyond the, the rarity of it in terms of just thinking of the history that it's associated with? Oh, that's far more important in, in many ways than the, uh, the historical and the rarity of it. Uh, because, as you had mentioned in your introduction, many of these men lost their lives. And when they didn't lose their lives, Coverdale did not. But he suffered greatly, and he had to be a, a wily politician to be able to navigate through all of the distrust and everything that Henry VIII uh, gave to him. And every time I see one of those, especially... Uh, the Tyndale and the Coverdale, I, I realize these were real men, and they suffered and died for the cause of the Bible. And to me, that really is what is important. Every time I touch one of these artifacts, the first thing that comes to my mind is how these men have really left us a legacy in a trail of blood. And it was a, it's a marvelous thing. Uh, it's sad, but they have done it and we have the result of today in our myriads of English versions of the Bible, and we owe it to them. So, Pam, you're responsible for organizing and caring for our collections of images and objects at the library. So how is it that we have this marvelous collection of Bibles at the, at the Mary Bickerty Library? Well, Jonathan, in the early 1930s, a Christian scientist who lived in England named William Pitfield uh, contacted the Christian Science Board of Directors at the church and offered to give them a gift of several rare Bibles. And so that is really the genesis of the collection, that um, small group of Bibles. Um, later, additional um, volumes were added to the collection uh, from Pitfield and other collectors who donated. And um, it 
The collection has grown from there to 465 volumes now, and um, the core of which is that early collection. What were the directors looking for in acquiring this collection of historic Bibles? They wanted to have Bibles that um, they felt were of great benefit or value to a large number of people and that they represented turning points in history. And not necessarily just because a Bible was rare or unusual, but um, something, a Bible that um, sort of mapped the uh, origins of the English-speaking or the English Bible. Well, that's terrific. So, Don, you and Pam were involved with an event that we had here at the Mary Baker Library back in October of 2012. And this was just uh, a few months, if I remember correctly, after you had done your evaluation of our collection. And, and this event involved hosting a group from the International Society of Bible Collectors. Yes, uh, every year uh, we gather together at, at our annual conference and we try to go someplace where there is some sort of rare Bible collection. Mm. Often it's uh, at uh, Princeton has a very wonderful collection, uh, the Library of Congress, uh, the Lilly Library in Indiana and in California there's some. So we have traveled around to each of these places. After I had uh, gone to the Mary Baker Eddy Library and I saw what was there, then when they said, well, where should we go next? Because we sometimes run out of places to go. And I said, well, I've got a perfect place for us <laughs> if they will have us because I've just seen one of the most fantastic libraries that I know about and most of them had not heard of it either. So it was a great experience for us to be able to show up there and to be able to see that collection. We were able to um, bring out 16 of our Bibles, mm -hmm. um, including the Coverdale and our 1611 King James and um, our Bishop's Bible and Geneva Bible, among others. Um, and they were, needless to say, well-received. <laughs> uh, and the participants in the um, group seemed very excited by them and being able to see them. It was eye-opening because I'm not a Bible scholar, and so this was my first experience actually um, interacting with the Bibles. But just seeing the participants be so interested in them and, you know, they wanted to see the bindings and they wanted to see the title pages and some, you know, various pages within the Bibles that were important or special to them. Again, that was just eye-opening to me that people would be that um, sort of agog, yeah. I guess, at, <laughs> at these Bibles. And so when, when the um, conference was over, I spoke to the senior curator at the time and asked the question, well, can't we put some of these, you know, some of this on our website? So I proposed at the time just putting some photographs and maybe basic information about the Bible collection on the website. But then more recently, the opportunity arose for me to propose the idea again and to actually um, develop a catalog of some of the more important volumes that we could um, put as a feature on our research um, website. And so we have accomplished that. There are about 90 of the volumes with uh, photographs of their covers, title page, and other interesting um, pages within the Bibles available on our website that people can search and look at those um, images. Pam, putting that on the internet is really important, and, and I, I must applaud uh, that move because I think it's extremely important to let people know that those volumes are available 
if anyone is wanting to do some research or just to see the volumes themselves. And the hope for that is that researchers and scholars will become aware and will contact us and ask to come and use our Bibles for research. Pam, from, um, from a curator of objects and, and images standpoint, could you just give us a sense of visually um, what, this, what the range of this collection is? What does it look like? Well, the range, I guess the range in size is what um, probably strikes me first. Our mm -hmm. King James Bible, I weighed it. It weighs 20.6 pounds. <laughs> okay. um, so that's our largest and heaviest Bible. It has a beautiful leather binding and some metal fittings that... Um, are intact so that one is very spectacular and then our smallest bible or book in the collection is actually called uh, divine songs for little children and it's a song um, a hymn book for children and it has um, actual wooden boards with a paper cover and it's lovely and i love that one the best okay. <laughs> I do. a small little treasure exactly. um, for, yes, from with that perspective in mind, Don, just in terms of the physical qualities of, of uh, some of these items in the Historic Bible Collection, are there ones that stood out to you when you were uh, giving your analysis? Yes, the Geneva Bible of 1560, the first edition, has all of the maps intact, oh, wow. and those maps are foldouts, and as I recall, they are all there. And that's very unusual, very rare uh, to have all of those maps. A lot of times you'll have a complete Bible of the Geneva, but it won't have the maps. And so that was a, a real treasure. Uh, the, of course, the Coverdale is not complete, but there are no complete Coverdales in the world. And this one, uh, I've forgotten now how many leaves it lacks, but it lacks a few leaves, but really it is one of the finest copies that exists. So that was a thrill to me. You know, in reading your book, one of the themes that comes across to me in uh, visual history of the English Bible was the faith that people had in people's ability to engage with the Bible, um, to be able to read it for themselves, and that that was so much a part of what drove these men uh, to go to such lengths to make sure that the Bible was uh, translated and, and made available in the vernacular to as, as many people as possible. So it, it seems to me that the, the whole question of belief in liberty, belief in uh, the individual, is completely connected to this story of the development of the English Bible, of the Bible in general. It's exactly what I was trying to do in that book. In fact, the, the original title, I call it From the Pulpit to the Pew. Mm. And it really is uh, going from a Bible which is strictly for the elite, strictly for the priest or the high hierarchy of the church. And it came to the point where it became in the, came to the hands of the people. And that really is the history of the Bible from the very beginning until uh, Wycliffe and then on in through Tyndale is that idea that we're not going to just listen to the hierarchy as to what the Bible believes and what the Bible teaches, but we're going to be able to read it for ourselves. That's wonderful. It really does make me think of the title of our podcast, Seekers and Scholars, because it, it seems like the, the history of the Bible 
is really a meeting of those two groups, of scholars who translated it uh, for people who were seeking to have a, a deeper understanding of, of life and of God and, and what the Bible could bring to them in getting that understanding. Exactly. Well, I just want to thank you both, Pam and Don, for your wonderful contributions to our discussion today on the Mary Baker Library's Historic Bible Collection. It really makes us aware of what a treasure we have here, and more importantly, what this collection reveals about the Bible and its ongoing value to humanity. So thank you both. You're quite welcome. I appreciate doing it, and it was fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Thanks so much, Pam. You're welcome. You can learn more about the collection by going online to the Mary Baker Eddy Library website and searching under Historic Bibles. In our next podcast, we will visit with Christian Science Monitor Editor Mark Sappenfield for a discussion on the early history of the Monitor and how it relates to the news source today. Thanks again for listening to Seekers and Scholars. This podcast is produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Copyright 2017.